to Wellness Realness with Christina Rice. I'm your host, Christina. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, holistic health coach, Reiki practitioner, and the creator of ChristinaRiceWellness.com, where you can find my blog, recipes, services, programs, and ebooks. In this podcast, I'll be discussing all things related to health and wellness, and I promise to always keep it very real. Remember my disclaimer, the information in this podcast is general health and nutrition advice and is not a replacement for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you'd like to submit a question or a topic for me to discuss, submit it on the podcast page at ChristinaRiceWellness.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and a review on iTunes, and join our Facebook group, Wellness Wellness Podcast Tribe. If you are as nosy as I am, you're going to love today's episode because I'm getting into all of the dirty details of pregnancy with my friend Allie Hobson. But before I get into that, I just wanted to give you a reminder, in case you didn't see me post on social media, the girls in my Paleo Women Lifestyle program and I like to do social media detoxes every once in a while, and I felt like it was time for one. So we are going to do a social media detox starting this Friday, September 27th. 2019. And I would love for you to join in if you so choose. It's going to be a seven-day social media detox. So going off social media September 27th and then coming back on on October 4th. If you do not want to do the full seven days, that's totally okay. Maybe you just want to do the weekend or two or three days or five days. But I really encourage you to challenge yourself to get off social media ever since our first social media detox a long time ago. It just changed the way I used social media and made me realize a lot of things about social media. And I feel like I have a much better relationship with my phone and social media since we started doing these regularly. And the first one can be kind of scary. And then after that, it's easy and you'll love them and you'll look forward to them. And it's much easier for people to do this as a group, I find. So I would love for you to join us. And if you're going to join in, let me know. Share it with other people. And like, let's get a big group together to do this social media detox. Let's roll into fall on a good note. Center ourselves. I think it's a good way to start October. Just, you know, having some time off social media doing your thing, and then you can just enter into October with a clear mind. And I promise you, you're not going to miss anything on there that you really need to know. If you do really need to know, it'll you'll find out about it some other way, or you'll find out about it when you come back on social media. So by social media, I mean, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, those those platforms, Snapchat, if you use Snapchat. I don't know if anyone uses Snapchat. I definitely don't. I think other people do though, but all of those social media platforms. I will still be posting podcasts and my blogs and all the things. That's not social media to me. Um, just, you know, when you are seeing what everyone else is doing, that's social media. So, I encourage you to join in on the challenge. I would love to have you as part of our social media detox. We can do it as a group. 
So that's my little announcement. And now let's talk about today's guest, my good friend, Allie Hobson. Allie is also a nutritional therapy practitioner like myself. Allie runs her own consulting business, Bear Food Nutrition, and she works as a nutritionist at two different San Diego clinics, focusing on holistic primary care and substance abuse. She also co-hosts a podcast called Nutritionish, which I have been a guest on. It's a great podcast. And she partners as an advocate for safer skincare, as a beauty counter consultant like myself. And she is mother to her new son, Asher, which is a big topic that we cover in this episode. Allie got into holistic nutrition and healing because she had her own health journey, like so many of us. She was dealing with Hashimoto's, adrenal stress, a bunch of other hormonal imbalances, struggled with over-exercising, under-eating. She's tried so many different healing modalities and has been able to overcome and manage all of her health challenges and, you know, give birth to her healthy, beautiful baby boy, Asher. And Allie just knows her stuff. I think her story is one that many of you will resonate very strongly with. And we first met, uh, was that two years ago at the NTA conference? Through our mutual friend, Lisa Cara. Lisa has been on this podcast as well. You might know her from Zinc Nutrition. So Allie and I became friends at the NTA conference and we had just so much in common with our with our own health histories. And, you know, we've been friends ever since. And then now we both live in San Diego. And I really wanted Allie to come on and talk about life as a new mom and pregnancy and giving birth and kind of go through all of the decisions one has to make regarding that. I think it's all very interesting. And Allie thankfully allowed me to ask her some very personal prying questions, which I am very grateful for. And I think you guys are going to find this really interesting. I think sometimes people don't listen to pregnancy podcasts about pregnancy or birth or being a mother if if they're not pregnant or going to give birth or not a mother. Um, but whether or not you are, I think you're going to find this very interesting. And I feel like it helped me emotionally think about things. So I, I know you guys are going to love this. And, you know, Allie has her, her own history with her relationship with food and exercise and the thyroid issues. And I think these are just things that so many of us women can relate to. And I know so many of you have struggled with as well. So you can find more from Allie at barefoodnutrition.com and on Instagram at barefoodnutrition. That's B-A-R-E-F-O-O-D-N-U-T-R-I-T-I-O-N. Head over there and say hi to her. Tell her, tell her I sent you. So I think it's time to hop into the actual interview. So here is Allie Hobson. Tell me what's, what's new in mom life. Okay. New in mom life. I have a baby. <laughs> you have a baby. How old is he now? <laughs> he just turned five months yesterday. Oh my God. I know. I was like looking at all of his baby pictures and I'm like the day you were born, but it's like, it's gone by so fast. But then it's also like, no, every day is very long. Really? What's a <laughs> day in like, the life? What's the so, day in the mom life? I think so, in the very, it so changes. It. it changes. <laughs> and mind you, like I've never been around kids mm-hmm. like at all. I have no cousins. I, people find that absolutely shocking. Like zero cousins. You have no cousins? No. 
So like I have like third and fourth cousins who might be do like you have aunts 40 and years old. I do, but th- neither of them have kids. Oh, And wow. I only have one of each. Was that really lonely growing up? I mean, I never really knew any different, but do like, th- but looking back, do you think that affected you at all? Mm, I don't think so. No. I mean, are you an only child? No, no, I have a brother. Yeah, you have a brother. Yeah, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. But like, it is interesting, like thinking about like family gatherings mm-hmm. and stuff. Like, it was always just like the four of us, mm-hmm. and like maybe a grandma here and there. Mm-hmm. But like, my both my grandmothers died when I was pretty young, yeah. and I just yeah, I kind of grew up in a really like small family, and that was just like very normal. It's so interesting. It's funny how like what you grew up thinking normal like i remember my, my family gatherings are always just huge everyone's yeah. crazy party it's a total shit show um and then when i got older and i started realizing a lot of my friends just their immediate nuclear family i was like mm-hmm. wait what do you mean you don't have like 50 people running around doing crazy right stuff you know and they're like no it's just like my parents my sister my brother right. but so on the flip side like was there always like a lot of family drama oh yeah see like always. i never had any of that and i was like that's kind of nice yeah it is kind of <laughs> nice i know it's this low hit it's like it's really fun to be around a ton of people and there's always something exciting going on and you feel like your life's a tv show but it also can be very draining yeah i think I enjoyed it when I was younger, but now, I mean, I do a lot on my own. I don't really go to the family stuff anymore. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. So never been around babies. Yes. Never never been around babies, but you have friends with babies. I have friends with babies. I, I mean, I think though, like our generation, like I'm going to be 33 Mm -hmm. in August and like people are waiting to have kids like later, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, I really truly like my very best friend has two kids Mm -hmm. and all of my other friends are kind of like just starting to have, you know, babies and things. And Mm -hmm. my core group of like best girlfriends are actually from high school, Mm -hmm. which is kind of surprising because it's like people I think usually are friends with like their college friends, but a lot of my high school friends, we also went to college together. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of like have this core group of girls. And so we don't really have like a ton of kids in the group. But now as a mom, like I have a lot of mom friends and I will say like being more in like before I was doing interior design, like I had a whole other career more in real estate. And now being in like the wellness nutrition world, I think it's just like you have, I don't know, just more focus on wellness. And Mm -hmm. there's so many more like mom things the mom centric like Mm -hmm. groups that like care about certain things not that other moms don't but I've like become (laughs) more like mommy friend yeah you know and like even before I had Asher it was like all of a sudden I had like more friends with kids switching to nutrition which I don't know why that is but interesting well I think this is an interesting topic how becoming a mom changes relationships oh my gosh like oh I have so much to say about that (laughs) all right bring it on girl Let's do it. <laughs> okay. So it's just, I realized too, like parenting is almost not about like how you parent your own kid, but it's almost like how you interact with other parents mm. because there's so many different opinions out there. Oh yeah. About a lot of things like that people can assume about. Um, but when you're raising your kid, I just think yeah, there's so many different variables that take place. It's almost like, how do you handle adult relationships when you don't agree on something? And mm-hmm. that's already come up you know, a few different times, whether Can you it's, give me an example. Oh gosh. Without <laughs> going into details. Um, Whatever you're comfortable with. Sure. So I don't think they listen to the podcast. That's fine. No, <laughs> they won't. Um, but there, yeah. So we went on a, a group vacation like just recently and, mm-hmm. um, the other moms had kids that were older mm-hmm. 
um, but not by a ton. Mm -hmm. So like two, three years old and then maybe like a nine month old and then my son Mm -hmm. who's five months old. And it was just kind of like eye opening because they're not in our field at all. They don't live anywhere near here. They're my my husband's college friends and like Mm -hmm. their wives. So I'm friends with them, Mm -hmm. you know, very much so. But we're not like close acquaintances where we talk very often, if at all. Mm -hmm. And one of the kids um, had hand, foot, mouth, uh, like the week before, which is a very highly contagious virus. (laughs) And a lot of kids get it. It's not deathly. There's nothing you can really do about it, but they Mm -hmm. have scabs on their face. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just kind of like unfortunate. And Mm -hmm. I think when they go into daycare, um, that's very common. Or if you're like nanny sharing, you know, if you're around other kids, it's common. So, but like my son is not, you know, like he doesn't, he's not in daycare. My mom watches him when I'm at work. And so he's not really around like a ton of kids and other babies. And so all of a sudden, like literally an hour before this is like, mind you also his first flight. Like, Mm, yeah, I was just already like, okay, everything's fine. It's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I get a text being like, oh, by the way, like this happened last week. And I was like, what? You're just telling me now? Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like I would have appreciated knowing maybe a little far in advance. And we're all supposed to stay in an Airbnb together. And I was just like, okay, well, I don't know if I feel comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they're also pregnant again. And so it's like now they're on their second kid. And it's kind of like they've had more experience with like parenting. And I'm still in my like fourth trimester start technically Mm -hmm. I feel like and it's like I'm still learning things and understanding how to handle stuff and I was just like I'm not comfortable with that Mm -hmm. and everyone's like well we talked to our pediatrician and it's totally fine and I called mine as well and he was like I'm sure that it's fine but if you want to take a little you know extra precaution like wait a few more days it's like well we don't have a few more Mm -hmm. days so what am I supposed to do (laughs) yeah so we ended up staying in a whole other hotel not staying in the Airbnb. And like, I know that it probably 99% would have been fine, you know, and he probably wouldn't have contracted anything. It had been a week, whatever. But it was just kind of this like, I don't know, uncomfortable feeling of like, why don't I have the, like the autonomy to decide Mm -hmm. if that's what I want to like expose my kid to, you know, it was kind of like, I just didn't feel like respected as a mom. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Well, do you ever feel, especially I always... I don't know if it's just what I see on TV or because, you know, I'm not a mom. But I feel like sometimes it seems like moms who have older kids feel like judgy towards newer moms. Right. You know, and it's like, um, but you've it's been your there. baby. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's the thing that like also I was talking to another friend of mine who is also a mom. And she was like, I just feel like maybe they could have showed more compassion to how you're feeling in the situation regardless. Mm-hmm. Like there isn't. And that's the other thing I think with parenting that I'm learning is there is no right and there is no wrong, mm-hmm. you know, especially when you get into like the medical field and there's a lot of other, you know, things that go on with that. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you know, there isn't a right and wrong. So just respect how I feel, mm-hmm. you know, because it's my feelings. Yeah. And I'm a new mom and, you know, just like have compassion for what I'm going through. Like you put your baby on a first flight at some point. Yeah. Like imagine just how my like day went, Yeah, you know, like there was a lot of fear behind that and making sure that like I didn't get sat next to a sick person or like, yeah. you know, just things that you can't control. And so it's almost like my husband and I had to kind of like make this really hard decision of like, well, what do we do without, you know, a feeling like we're hurting other people's feelings, but making sure that our feelings are being respected, Mm -hmm. you know? So like, I feel like this is like a, it's not a silly example, but a small example of a lot of other things Mm -hmm. that you can kind of like relate to and be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, parenting (laughs) is, it's such a touchy subject. And I know for me, I'm the type of person where I just speak my mind, but, but that's like one topic where I tread lightly I don't say an opinion because it's like not my opinion to share it's like 
it's it's your child like you have the right to it's your child right. you know and it yeah. makes me really upset that people insert their opinions and I feel like that like the whole mommy area can be really brutal mm-hmm. like I see some of the things moms say like they're like mommy shaming other mom and I'm like right. whoa like this is so touchy and you feel this strongly about your opinion but she has the same right you know it's mm-hmm. like it's not your bait it's not your kid right and like only you as the mom know your child mm-hmm. and only you as the mom know your child's health history for mm-hmm. example like I have no right to put an opinion on what you do because you may have been through or your kid may have been through something or like mm-hmm. your labor experience like how you go through labor I think is like super interesting and like how you come into this world mm-hmm. you know plays a role in a lot of different things and so that's just like people don't know anything yeah and they kind of make judgments on like what your decision making is and it's hard to just stand there and like and also I'm not the type of person I try not to be to where I'm like defending myself you know because yeah. I think that almost makes it worse yeah it does <laughs> when you say like well I'm doing this because a b c and d mm-hmm. and it's almost like you're trying to convince somebody else but it's like there shouldn't be a convincing or like a sharing necessarily unless it's like very productive and cordial mm-hmm. but it's like look I respect your decision and you should respect mine and mm-hmm. that's how it goes <laughs> yeah it's it's sad because I feel like a lot of times instead of it being a discussion and like a learning opportunity to understand other people's perspective is just like shaming because people feel guilty if they don't want to even learn because they might think I made the wrong decision because right. I mean raising a child is a big responsibility. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm curious if you ever feel like people turn their noses up because you know a lot about nutrition and health and wellness and they <laughs> like I think sometimes it could be a defense mechanism like she already knows a lot about this. And not wanting to maybe admit that you might be better educated on some topics than mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? A little bit. Yeah. I think, I think I get what you're saying. Like they don't want to have the conversation at yeah. all about anything because they think that I probably have a different or strong opinion about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, there's a lot of, I think I've realized this too, like being in more of the wellness world, there's mm-hmm. almost more expectations. I feel like on myself mm-hmm. to eat, like super, super healthy, like squeaky clean all the Mm -hmm. time, you know, because I'm breastfeeding or, you know, just taking care of yourself in a different way. Or like, there's so many expectations of like, well, what's your baby's first food going to be? It's probably going to be bone broth or like, it's probably going to be like desiccated liver, (laughs) you know? What was it? I haven't given it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like just at that phase where, I mean, and this is another thing, like everything is a debate because it's like, okay, some people feel comfortable waiting till six months. Some Mm -hmm. people like, I'm kind of basing it personally, like on his interactions Mm -hmm. and like whether or not he seems super interested and whether or not like I feel, I don't know just kind of like reading his personality and almost waiting for him to kind of give me the yeah I want that Mm. kind of thing you Mm -hmm. know so it's almost like us forming this relationship where I'm understanding what he wants and what he needs yeah and I think he's getting close to that but so far he's not really like grabbing for things or seeming super interested in what I'm eating and yeah I need to do a lot more research probably pretty quickly on it because I'm very interested I think like so what happens if you do like as the gut, you know, how Mm -hmm. the gut microbiome works in general with like food sensitivities and antibodies and all those things. Like what are maybe the risks or benefits of introducing foods earlier than later Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, well, it's like funny how also even with the same data, people interpret it differently. You know, some people will take it and be like, well, I want to introduce everything early on so that they don't just automatically develop the sensitivity and other Mm -hmm. people like, well, these foods are inflammatory for everybody. So I don't want to introduce them. And it's like, different interpretation you know right exactly um 
I, I want to get more into kind of your motherhood experience sure. and also your birthing experience. But just to go back to the relationship topic for a second, mm-hmm. do you f- feel like how has this impacted your relationships with people who don't have kids? Um, I feel like actually most of my friends who do not have kids are very respectful mm-hmm. because they don't really, they, they just know they don't know what it's like. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I tried to like approach different things too, is like one of my, you know, very good friends, she's very by the book about everything. And that's her personality. Like mm-hmm. she's always been like that since I've known her. So it's very obvious to me that like her kids have a very specific, like nap time, eating time, you know, bath time, mm-hmm. read the books before bed. Like that's her. And it's almost like, I get that now because sometimes I would without, when I didn't have kids, I'd be like, that's a lot. Like, can't you just let loose a little bit and mm-hmm. stuff? But it's like almost like her coping mechanism to parenting of like, this is how I operate as a person. Mm-hmm. And this is what makes me feel in control and makes me feel like I'm doing the right thing. And mm-hmm. so I think that's kind of something you learn about yourself as you go. Like I've learned things about my personality that like, I'm not that person at all. Like mm-hmm. in the very beginning, for example, there's apps that you can like track how often they're pooping and peeing and how often you change their diaper and how many ounces they're eating. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, I'm going to do this because I think this would give me good information. Mm -hmm. Like I'm all about measurable everything. Mm -hmm. Like for me, um, which I guess is a topic we can like maybe go over, but like with Hashimoto's and pregnancy Mm -hmm. and monitoring my thyroid very closely, like I'm all about labs. And so Mm -hmm. I like that kind of information. Mm -hmm. So I started doing this app in the diapers. And after literally like three days, I was just like, no, this is, this is not working for me. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm failing. I don't like Mm -hmm. not like, I just, I don't know. It wasn't working. And then some moms like thrive on that because mm-hmm. that's like how they feel in control. And it made me feel the complete opposite. And I was like, okay, great. I don't have to do this if I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> if he has, you know, wet diapers and there's poop in a, a few of them a day and you're eating, that seems great. Yeah. <laughs> Is he happy? Great. Is yeah. he sleeping? Great. <laughs> Is he gaining weight? Great. You know, you like <laughs> definitely get very like sciencey about it. And I think sometimes, well, it's like, I'm sure you see this with clients and other aspects of health. It's like sometimes we get so dialed into these specifics and all this technology we have. And it's like people have been able to raise babies that are healthy for like a long time, you know, without the apps. And it's like sometimes we just know, like Mm -hmm. you have maternal instincts, you know, you can, you can fall on that. What about your social life though? Um, I think it's actually probably stayed the same to be honest. Yeah. Cause a lot of my friends are at that age where they're starting to want, if they don't have kids, they're mm-hmm. starting to think about it or they're already pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so my husband and I have tried to do a really good job of not kind of like isolating ourselves and being afraid to take him places. Mm-hmm. And I always try and pick, if we're going out to dinner, I always try and do something that's not necessarily kid friendly. Cause he's still super young enough to where it's like, whatever, I'm just going to wear him. Yeah. You know, but like, <laughs> he's just there. Can, yeah. He's just there. <laughs> and he'll usually nap. So it's great. Yeah. But like, can it be outside to mm-hmm. where we're not indoors? And like, you know, if he does start crying, we're not necessarily bothering anybody. Mm-hmm. And then I think, you know, for my sanity of like germs and stuff, like mm-hmm. outdoors is better than indoors in my head. And, mm-hmm. you know, so trying to just like be strategic about what we do, but we still like every Friday is kind of like our thing is like, he goes down to like this place where he can like put golf balls and all, you know, meet him there after work and then we go grab drinks and like sometimes our friends will meet us and Mm -hmm. sometimes it's just us but Mm -hmm. yeah I don't think the social life has really changed all that much because he and I don't I mean we're not really like go out and party people we're like go out and like 
share drinks and food with mm-hmm. like a few other people kind of yeah <laughs> kind of people Wait, so it kind of works did asher cry on the plane or how did it go um on the way there he was great uh-huh. um and on the way back not so great <laughs> mm, what was that like um for you it was fine i just kind of felt like you know everyone who is a mom gets it mm-hmm. and you just feel bad for the mom you're not annoyed by the kid mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and then yeah, I just was like, you know, there's no point in stressing over this. Like, there's literally nothing you can do about it. Yeah. So I think also parenting that I've learned for me is like just it's all about like surrender mm-hmm. and like flexibility and just kind of like going with it because you can get really hung up on a lot of things. And f- and sometimes I still do. And then I just like break down and like cry for no reason. Mm-hmm. And then like <laughs> a lot of the times I've learned to just like accept it and be like, I can't control this. So like he's going to cry and yeah. he's not happy. We got stuck on the tarmac like for I don't know 15 minutes you know so that was just long enough for him to be upset and it would been like a really long weekend and I was like also I try and feel like what is he feeling Mm -hmm. you know what is my child experiencing like he's probably like not super jazzed about being (laughs) stuck in like (laughs) you know yeah a small space where there's like a crying kid behind him already anyways and you know it's like yeah you kind of have to just deal with it yeah it's easier i'm just always curious i can't i don't know i'm not old enough yet i can't take a responsibility i can barely (laughs) barely tie my own shoes over here (laughs) i mean you ask any of my really close friends i'm literally always the one who was the irresponsible one like really oh my god yeah like lose stuff all the time i don't know just like forget things like I still do that, you know, like I forget like main things. Like we went to a wedding and I had to pump in the middle of the mm-hmm. wedding, like forgot the holder things that like the milk goes into. So I was literally using like plastic bags. Oh my I God. I was just like that. You had one job, Allie. Like, yeah. You just had to remember this. But like I always lose stuff, always forget things. And I've always been that way. I that from you. It's like a newer me, I guess. You seem so like put together. No, no. <laughs> no, no, not me. Not me. No, my husband, like he does all the like stuff you have mm-hmm. to remember. Like we take the trash out on Tuesdays. You'd think mm-hmm. by now I would get that. Never, ever do I remember. Like he does that. He remembers to change the laundry. He does most of the laundry. Mm-hmm. Like I just keep things in a nice, a loose enough box, uh-huh. you know? He tightens them up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Okay. I want to get into... um. Well, I do want to talk about like the pregnancy for sure, but let's back up and talk about your health history in general. It's like paint the picture. Give me the overview of kind of your, your health journey. Okay. So I believe it was probably around 2013 when I found out that I had Hashimoto's and it was actually kind of just by accident. I was, you know, in architecture and being an interior designer for an architecture firm and I was, you know, working really hard, working out a ton, eating quote unquote healthy for what I thought, but I was always, you know, a tiny person. And mm-hmm. I think it's like, I can look back on it now and understand like all the processes and things that happen. But like, I always like thrived on being the tiny person, you know, mm-hmm. like my frame, I am just a small person in general. Mm-hmm. I'm five feet tall, mm-hmm. but I was kind of like, you have to weigh this much and you have to be tiny and it's like your thing you Mm -hmm. know like it became my thing to like always be the one to like work out excessively Mm -hmm. (laughs) and all the stuff so I mean eventually as everyone knows like that doesn't last forever Mm -hmm. and so um so anyways they told me that I had Hashimoto's and she just it was a nurse practitioner which I still find surprising being in the medical field more so now (laughs) is that she just like happened to run my antibodies 
for like no particular reason. Yeah, that's super interesting. Yeah, because autumn is like hard to get them too. I know. You have to like pull deep. And I didn't even go in for like a reason. I literally remember it was just a physical, and they were just like, "Yeah, we'll just run some labs, like you know, super standard, no big deal." So they ran thyroid TSH, which is what they kind of normally do, right? And then she all of a sudden called me, and she's like, "So yeah, everything looks great, um, but like, how are you feeling?" And I was like. Well, clearly I'm feeling fine. Otherwise, I would have told you my appointment like yesterday. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was not feeling fine. And she's like, well, your TPO antibodies are, you know, pretty elevated. So this means you have Hashimoto's. And I was like, what? what? Yeah. I like, never heard that word in my life. Yeah. So I came home and I remember like Googling it and calling another friend of mine because I wasn't I was into health, but I wasn't really into like health health yeah the <laughs> and fake I, health the fake health right the intro health I we, all, we all do that yeah it's like surface level and then you get in and you're like whoa didn't know this was yeah there. yeah um it's kind of like actually i don't know if you're up to date on or if you watch stranger things i'm not up to date okay well it's kind of like going in the inside out like mm, I see. <laughs> you're on the surface and yeah. then you get in there and, yeah. all there and you're like whoa shit's crazy yeah this is very true I love it I love it <laughs> so that's what it's like yeah and so I asked a friend of mine who was very into acupuncture and I was like dude like have you heard of this thing it's like autoimmunity like I don't even know but apparently I can die from it and I was just like I was so like freaked out yeah. and then that's how I kind of I think maybe I'm kind of like an all or nothing person mm -hmm. for the most part. Just a little it's, bit. Yeah. It's like I'm either really in it or I'm really not. And yeah. so I got really into being like, this is scary. Mm -hmm. And then it was too overwhelming. And I didn't have any of the symptoms. Like they're saying like hair loss and weight gain. And I was just like, no, I don't have any. I'm mm -hmm. not tired. I have more energy than anybody I've ever met. Mm -hmm. And so I just was like, you know what? I'm just going to like not worry about this. And that's what she had said. She said, if you don't have any symptoms, we'll just like keep an eye out for it. And mm -hmm. I was like. Okay, cool. So then I just closed the door. Mm -hmm. And I was like, bye. Too busy for this. So in 2015, I went off the pill mm. after I got married. And I was like, this is great. I'm so excited. I've always wanted to be off of it. But, you know, we'll, we'll just see what happens. And um, Did you go off <clears> of it because you were fine with potentially getting pregnant? Or did you go off yeah. of it because you learned about... No, the, I didn't learn anything okay. about the pill. I just went off of it. Yeah, because we were married. And I was like, you know... I'm at an age that if it happened, like we're not really ready, but mm -hmm. I really did kind of want my body to just like chill for a bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, I knew a little bit of the side effects, mm -hmm. but I never, it was kind of like one of those things you're like, well, that'll never happen to me. So like, what does it matter? But it yeah. would be nice to have a break. Yeah. You know? So I just went off of it kind of to see what would happen. Mm -hmm. Two years goes by, still nothing happens. And I was like, well, this doesn't seem right. Yeah. <laughs> so started digging, went back to my OB and was like, hey, you know, like, I don't know when I'm supposed to get my period back, but like, seems like sometimes, you know, sometime in the near future. Yeah. Good. And so he's like, and he was the first person I saw. And he was like, you know, I'm going to tell you something that you're not going to like. And my wife had to do the same thing. But I really just think if you gained a little bit of weight, your cycle might come back. And I was like, well, that's not going to happen. Yeah. So I was like, all right. Bye. So I just kind of put it Men. off. Men. Men Silly. don't know. What I was like, you saying. don't know. Yeah. So then I was like, well, clearly I need to seek out a naturopathic doctor. Yeah. And so I went to the naturopath. Then I started acupuncture. Then I did all these things. Um, I mean, I did find out like definitely adrenal fatigue, overworking out, definitely the weight. Um, I mean, I did just kind of like a lot of work on like trying to heal the HPA access, all, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. And a lot of it was working and I was doing Chinese medicine and chiropractic then. And so I kind of did like all of the, for, I guess, depending on what camp you're in, the unobvious or obvious things. Yeah. 
<laughs> besides try to gain a little bit of weight because I just didn't want to do that. Yeah. And I was very happy in what I was doing. And mm-hmm. I was still kind of at that point, like doing five days of cardio, like obsessed with spin, obsessed with hot yoga, doubled up on days, you know, mm-hmm. and I, and the problem I think for me is that I felt fine yeah. through all of this. I never had any symptoms of this. So like, why should I change what I'm doing when really the only goal that I had at the time was just to get my cycle back. Mm-hmm. So it was really hard to be motivated for mm-hmm. me to change what I was doing. Cause I felt so good. And that's been my, you know, st- kind of like journey and story the whole time. And still to this day, like I don't have any of these symptoms. Like Mm -hmm. I've never felt fatigued. I've never had the hair loss. The typical hypothyroid symptoms have just never been me. Mm -hmm. And so I'm kind of an anomaly in that case, no matter even like at one point I went in and my TSH, I think it was, um, maybe like shortly after I found out. So like rewinding back to that 2013, but my TSH at some point was 27. Mm. Like working in a clinic now, I've never seen anybody's labs come back that high. Yeah. And I was just like, hello? <laughs> They're like, are you sleeping? I was like, what do you mean? Yeah. Um, wow. So, you know, like the, the lab work for me doesn't relate to how I feel, which is still a little bit frustrating because some people can monitor it that way. Mm-hmm. But anyways, to kind of wrap up the story, finally decided I was actually after I, you know, so I decided, okay, I'm really into this. I got really invested after I saw that naturopathic doctor and I really went into the inside out and was like, oh. Yeah. Like started listening to different podcasts and doing my own research and being like, whoa, I'm not eating as healthy as I thought. So like cottage cheese doubles are not the jam. And like, you know, low fat cheese and all this stuff. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, NTA everything. Like I want to do this. And so uh-huh. I was still working, went to NTA, learned all the things and was just like mind blown by what I was hearing and learning. Mm-hmm. And so then I was like, okay, I'm not, I still didn't get my cycle back even after NTA. Mm. And then I was just like, but I'm going to do this. So I'm like starting my own business, you know, helping other people still trying to figure out my own stuff Mm -hmm. and kind of just like putting myself on the back burner a little bit as I focus my attention more so on other people, which I think for me is a good thing. The less I focus on myself and dig, Mm -hmm. the more helpful I am to my body in Mm -hmm. the end. And so eventually, um, I kind of realized, you know what, I, I think I do need to address this like weight, um, issue. And it wasn't like I have had maybe quote unquote an eating disorder. I guess that you could say I've had disordered eating things go on where it's just like less is more. And, you know, you can go all day without eating Mm -hmm. that much and you're fine. And, you know, I kind of just went by like how I felt. And so I really made a conscious effort to like stop doing a lot of the cardio. And I was like, okay, you can do two days max Mm -hmm. and you can only do 20 minutes each time. (laughs) Like, let's just see. You'll never know what happens until you just try it. Mm -hmm. So I just tried it. And so I ended up gaining, you know, a healthy amount of weight Mm -hmm. and continued doing all the things and got my thyroid. You know, that was one thing I did have to kind of succumb to too, which was frustrating as a practitioner. And I still think it is, is that, I didn't want to go on medication. I wanted to fix my body on its own because Mm -hmm. you all hear the body is self healing and Mm -hmm. you can do this. And the more naturopathic medicine and things you do, like you don't have to go on, you know, Synthroid or nature thread or whatever. And I had like a sit down with my doctor and she's like, you're doing everything right. Mm -hmm. You know, you've been working on the weight. You've been working on all this stuff, but like, how long do you want to do this for? Mm -hmm. Like, are you feeling really frustrated? I was like, yeah, I'm frustrated every single day, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and my thyroid, my TSH with Hashimoto's, that's what it does. It goes up and down and up and down. And that was affecting my cycle too. So it wasn't just the weight. It was still the thyroid as well. So I was like, all right, fine. I'll go on, you know, a desiccated thyroid supplement 
and, you know, medication, I guess you could call it if you want to. And it's really hormone replacement therapy, you know, Mm -hmm. like adding that in. And so I was like, fine, against my better judgment and what I want, I'm going to go on it because I think it's going to help me in the long run. So Mm -hmm. I did. And, you know, after kind of like the combination of all the things with that, I finally got my cycle back Mm. in November of, let's see, two years ago, maybe. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. I wrote it down on my phone because I was like, best day of my life. <laughs> so yeah, finally came back. And then I had it, you know, six times in a row. Okay. So it was kind of a long journey to get there. Yeah. And I don't know if there's like one thing that, I don't think it was one thing I did. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like all the combinations of things. But I think there's certain things that probably were more beneficial mm-hmm. than others. Yeah. I think a lot of people can can kind of relate. And I, I think a lot of us talk about our stories with amenorrhea or overtraining, under eating, having to put on weight. And we talk about it in retrospect, but I mean, that's a really emotional thing to go through. You know, it's not, yeah. it's not easy to just, you know, like, okay, yeah, I'm going to stop. I'm only going to work out twice a week, you know, or like I'm going to eat more food. And we say it looking back, like, yeah, that's what I did. But like, there's so much more that goes into that emotionally. Yeah, so like, totally. H- talk me through how that was for you in your head. Like, like, what was that experience like? Was it easy for you to just, like, eat some more food and just stop no. the working out? Or, like, how did you motivate yourself and get through it? It was really hard because I, I noticed right away my body didn't respond well. Mm-hmm. So, like, I was so used to, um, like, being forced to burn calories mm-hmm. that the second I stopped doing all that thing, like, all the stuff, I felt like... I felt more bloated. I felt more sluggish. I felt more tired. Mm -hmm. And my body was just like confused Mm -hmm. by the fact that, oh, you want me to do this on my own? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like my metabolism was already kind of like wonky because of the thyroid and then not having those calories burned and getting my my metabolism going. And also I think like for me, like I love working out. Like it's like my happy place. Mm -hmm. And so like the endorphins that I get from that, the oxytocin that happens for that, I'm not one of those people that hates to work out. Like Mm -hmm. I wake up every day and I would still do it if I could. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it was really like a mental game of like, how bad do you want this? Mm -hmm. And I think that was one thing that I I don't know if it would have been I don't want to say possible, but like I had this motivation of like my husband and I want to have a family. Like I need my period to be able to have kids and I'm not getting any younger. We were totally ready, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it was like this frustrating thing where, and actually like our relationship, I mean, we've been together for a really long time. So we met in high school and so we know each other really well. And I think that actually was even kind of the first time that we started to just even like disagree on some things. Like he's much more conventional medicine and I'm definitely the opposite. Mm -hmm. And so he was like, how long are you going to experiment with trying this stuff? It's been like a really long time. Like, cannot, why can't you just like go on the pill to get your cycle back? Or why can't you just like do something to get it back? Mm -hmm. That's like, you know, listen to what the doctors are telling you. And I'm like, those doctors are not the doctors that I'm seeing. And that's not what I prescribe to. Like, Mm -hmm. that's not my vision for myself. Mm -hmm. And so like having him like try to meet me in the middle and understand the way that I want to do it was also kind of frustrating because he's sitting over here being like, hi, I want kids. Mm -hmm. And it was really him kind of that was more so like, hey, let's, you know, let's start trying. And I was like, well, I mean, we can, but like, I don't know for what point Mm -hmm. (laughs) until I get the cycle back. Like, you know, it wasn't really easy in that, in that sense of relationship. So I had this underlying motivation of like, just do it, Mm -hmm. you know, because clearly 
what you're doing is not totally working. Mm -hmm. But then there is, as you're saying, like emotionally, like how do you gain weight? It's also like, well, what are other people perceiving? Like, are people thinking I'm already pregnant because Mm -hmm. I'm putting on weight? Do Mm -hmm. people think that I'm a terrible nutritionist because I'm putting on weight? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, so like it's kind of all these outside voices too that I think play a role where you're like, you kind of have to turn that off and just know what you're doing is is right. Yeah. But it, yeah, it's certainly not easy. But at least for me, I had this like, it wasn't about me anymore. It was about the kid that I have now that I'm like, you know, wanted so badly and wanted to, you know, have yeah. have that. So I think that was something that helped at least a little bit. What would you say to any woman who probably needs to put on some weight for her health but she's in that limbo where it's like I think a lot of us have gone through it's like you know you got to put on weight but it's really hard to put on weight or if they're starting that process and they're freaking out and they feel like oh my god I'm getting so much weight you know like what do you right. what would you say to her I would say you don't have to because for me it was like I can't I can't just like stop doing something I have to like replace it with something mm-hmm. <laughs> so what I started to do in the beginning was okay I'm not going to stop working out but I'm going to not do hot yoga I'm going to mm-hmm. do regular yoga mm-hmm. I'm not going to go to spin anymore but I'm going to walk uphill on the treadmill mm-hmm. and I'm going to start lifting weights and I'm going to do it less often during the week so I kind of just like shifted my protocol mm-hmm. a little bit to where mentally in my head I was still doing the things mm-hmm. but for my body it was so much healthier mm-hmm. so I would say just start small, you mm-hmm. know, how can you shift something? It's like eating healthier, you know, when you first start, like, yeah, we all like mac and cheese. Sure. But like, what if you made it with cauliflower or like, what if, you know, yeah. that's a bad example, but yeah. like, you know, just making these healthier swaps mm-hmm. and kind of like, it's almost like tricking your body into kind of still making yourself happy, but doing it in a much healthier balanced way until you get used to that. Mm-hmm. And then when you look back now, I'm like, I don't think I could sustain doing five days a week of spin. Mm -hmm. Like that's a lot, you know, like no wonder you you were, you know, burnt out. It just like when you get into that, like, um, sympathetic mode, which with adrenal stress, like you're just constantly in fight or flight and you just don't, you don't realize it anymore until Mm -hmm. you're on the other side. So it's like, just start slow is my my main thing. I think what a lot of women struggle with though, is the weight gain specifically and like looking in the mirror and like your clothes are fitting different and that's Mm -hmm. really hard for people to to deal with and it makes them want to just go back to what they're doing right I think you have to look at functionality Mm -hmm. you know more so and like have that be your certain reminder so if you're someone that's like in limbo and you're not wanting to do it for pregnancy reasons you just have to remember like your body is supposed to have this cycle it's supposed Mm -hmm. to have this it's part of your like womanhood like maybe you tap into like feeling more of like a woman and Mm -hmm. being like curves are sexy and mm-hmm. it's okay. And also getting rid of the clothes that you had that are too small. I literally gave her like at one time, mm-hmm. not even joking, like 25 pairs of pants. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this, the more I see them sitting in my closet, the more it doesn't make me feel good about yeah. what I'm doing. Cause I keep like trying them on and being like, no, they're not that bad. Mm-hmm. And then they get to the point where they don't even zip up and you're like, okay, this is happening. It's really happening. Yeah. You know? And then you're just like, like why do that to yourself? Mm-hmm. You know? Buy some aligned pants from Lulu and live in them. Yeah. Like literally still. That's the way to do it. (laughs) Yeah. That's the way to do it. Honestly. Yeah. Because you feel comfortable. And then just knowing like the function of what your body is supposed to be doing is much more important than what it's doing aesthetically. Mm -hmm. I would 100% agree. Mike drop. Allie Hobson. I hope you guys are loving this. I want to take a brief pause to tell you about this week's sponsor for Sigmatic. 
Four Sigmatic is on a mission to popularizing mushroom consumption because so many people don't realize that beyond the portobello, an entire kingdom of mushrooms exists, many with amazing health benefits for immunity, energy, longevity, and cognition that have been studied for centuries and used in so many different cultures. When we're talking about functional mushrooms, we're talking about things like reishi, chaga, cordyceps, and lion's mane. You've probably heard of some of those before. And what I love about Four Sigmatic is that they make drinking mushrooms and superfoods delicious and easy to do with their mushroom coffees, mushroom superfood blends, and mushroom elixirs. They sell tins for at-home use and single-serve packets, which are so convenient to carry and share. I carry these with me everywhere and all you have to do is blend the products in a cup of hot water or you can mix it in with some warm and nut milk and you're good to go you can also put it into smoothies shakes or honestly just sprinkle it on top of food but i love these elixirs because they taste amazing and you really really feel the benefits they only use the highest quality ingredients only wild crafted or law grown and certified organic mushrooms with 500 to 1500 milligrams of dual extracted mushrooms per serving. This is the most potent product on the market and they test all of their products for pesticides, heavy metals, irradiation, mycotoxins, and other factors. Let me roll through some of my favorites. First of all, cordyceps. I absolutely love cordyceps for natural source of energy. This is also great for athletes. You can use it to boost your performance or to help with recovery afterwards. I love this in the morning because it gives you a natural source of energy without any stimulants. There's no caffeine in here and I just mix it with some hot water and I'm good to go. Another one I love early in the day is the chaga. Chaga is king of the mushrooms and chaga is amazing for immunity and it has really high antioxidant properties and great especially at this time of year when we are rolling into cold and flu season if you want to boost your immune system drink that chaga every day and if you really want to support your brain function go for the lion's mane lion's mane is an all-natural cognitive enhancer this is great for supporting your memory and your concentration so if you got to work hard you're studying reading writing just stir some of this lion's mane mushroom elixir in with some water and you are good to go. And of course, reishi. Ah, how I love reishi. Reishi is queen of the mushrooms. Reishi is amazing for stress and sleep. This isn't going to make you sleepy, but it helps relax you and calm you down so that you do get a great night's sleep. I like to drink this a few hours before bed. It helps me wind down. It just helps me with any stress I might be feeling or if it's a particularly stressful day. I'll drink it earlier on. It tastes delicious, and if I want to get really fancy, I like to mix it in with some coconut milk. And with hot chocolate season coming coming up real quick, I love the mushroom hot cacao mix. It's mixed with reishi, and it is so delicious. All you have to do is mix it in with some hot water or some nut milk, and you have a delicious dessert drink to help you wind down at night and give you some of that some of that warm hot cocoa we all love at this time of year. So highly recommend that. If you're a coffee drinker, check out their mushroom coffee mixes. They only have 50 milligrams of caffeine per serving, so way less caffeine than a normal cup of coffee, and they are mixed with these functional mushrooms to give you additional health benefits. So you can get the mushroom coffee mix with cordyceps and chaga or lion's mane and chaga, depending on if you want that energy boost or those brain-enhancing properties. 
You're really going to feel the benefits of Four Sigmatic if you take these as a tonic every single day and, you know, help it build up in your system over time. I take these daily. I have for years and I cannot imagine my life without them. And they have so many products. I highly encourage you to go check out the website, foursigmatic.com, and just check out all of the incredible different mixes they have. They also have a chai latte mix, a golden latte mix, a matcha latte mix, so many amazing options, something for everyone, as well as edible skincare. Yes, please. So if you are into natural remedies, you will definitely want to take advantage of these functional mushrooms because they are life-changing. And you can just go to foursigmatic.com slash CRW and my code CRW will get you 15% off. Again, that's foursigmatic.com, F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com slash CRW and my code CRW will get you 15% off. Now I'm going to get back to my cup of reishi that I have sitting next to me and I'll let you get back to this conversation with Allie Hobson. I'm also um interested a little bit like how your husband is more into conventional medicine um how that's been with your relationship I think that's something I mean you're married and you guys have known each other for forever but like you know I'm dating people or like my a lot of my friends are dating and it's like mm-hmm. navigating like how important is it for them to be on the exact same page as you and like you start to realize well they're not going to be on the exact same page necessarily so what advice do you have if someone has a partner who's just like not completely Mm -hmm. on the whole like ancestral health train it's hard i'm not gonna lie it Mm -hmm. is really hard like we like i said we never really had that many conflicts we never fought like Mm -hmm. we're just not we don't bicker about things until recently (laughs) and the second I got pregnant it was like well I guess not the second but because I went about getting my you know cycle Mm -hmm. back in more of a holistic way like that was challenge a and then while I was pregnant that became a challenge as well because there were certain things that I was not you know feeling comfortable about doing Mm -hmm. and I wanted to pick a doctor that I could totally trust he understood what I wanted and wanting to go through a natural birth Mm -hmm. was something that my husband was also a little bit like freaked out about. Mm. Um, so gosh, I mean, yeah, that's kind of where it started. And then I think what we ended up with was finding and still to this day, like our pediatrician is someone who is very holistic minded, but is also, you know, in the conventional spectrum. Mm -hmm. And then the doctor that I, um, that delivered um, Asher was again, very like, he's still an OB. Oh, Mm -hmm. however, like in San Diego, there's like two basically that are like holistic Mm -hmm. kind of, and there's one in North County and one in kind of like Poway area. Mm -hmm. And so I hands down just like started asking like to find that person. Mm -hmm. I asked my acupuncturist, my chiropractor, like my wellness world of people like, Hey, who would you recommend? Mm -hmm. And so that's how I found him. And then had my husband come to like the first appointment and he was like, I'm a hundred percent like probably I think he said like 75 percent at least of his um, babies that he delivers are through natural birth Mm -hmm. so he's like very familiar with it but obviously he's still going to and I don't know how you want to look at this but he's still going to recommend that you get Tdap and the flu shot while you're pregnant like he's still going to recommend the things that are recommended by the Mm -hmm. you know national whatever society of OBGYNs or something Mm -hmm. you know so like he follows the rules but he also lets you stray from the rules Mm -hmm. and so that was kind of like a happy medium and that's what we've tried to do is find a happy medium 
with everything. Mm-hmm. Um, for pregnancy, it was really like, look, I kind of just said, this is this is my body. I'm going through this. Like, you are here to support me. But, like, it's my labor with our son. And mm-hmm. that's, like, our relationship. Mm-hmm. And so I need you to be supportive and let me birth and bring him into mm-hmm. this world the way that I feel like my body wants to do mm-hmm. that. So he was very supportive, you know, against kind of, like, I think hold, holding his tongue or like mm-hmm. biting his tongue a little bit. Um, and now that he's here, he is very hands-on, which some people are like, oh, that's so great. I'm like, is it? <laughs> like he wants to be in the decision-making process for a lot of things, mm-hmm. which I think is great and I'm blessed. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it makes it hard because every single thing is a conversation. Yeah. And it's like, can't you just let me like do what I yeah. do? Like I'm a mom, you yeah. know, like... You know, but it's it's hard because I don't think it's like that anymore. It's yeah. not like dad goes to work and makes money and mom raises the kid. Like, mm-hmm. that's not how it is. Yeah. You know, it's like we both go to work and we both try and make money yeah. and we both have, you know, like he watches them a lot by yeah. himself. So it's really just about us trying to meet in the middle and say like, okay, look, you feel comfortable with this and I feel comfortable with this. But mm-hmm. like, what if we did like a hybrid of that? Yeah. So a lot of compromise. Yeah, it is. It's so, God, it's so much to think about. I'm curious about, when we talk about things that are recommended Mm -hmm. for pregnant pregnant women, pregnancy, birthing, versus uh what what you did or what you believe mm-hmm. um can you give any any examples of how those might differ i don't even know like i don't really know much of you know i've never right. been pregnant i don't know what they recommend and, right you know and these, i didn't either until yeah. i was kind of like in it so i guess in your first trimester there's really not a whole lot mm-hmm. um that they recommend you do but I mean, for me, kind of being knowing that I have like the thyroid component, mm-hmm. like I tested my thi- my TSH, like thyroid, like the second I found out that I was pregnant mm-hmm. because I knew that that was really important. So I think that's something that if your doctor is not doing or even if you don't have a thyroid problem, I honestly would say like your first appointment should be requesting labs. Like you want to know what your vitamin D is. You want to mm-hmm. know what your TSH is. It should be below 2.5 to sustain a healthy pregnancy. And sometimes with, you know, that added layer of like, hi, I'm raising a human in my body. Like the, the demands for hormones are just higher. Mm-hmm. So like the second I tested it, I was probably within the range of like 1.5 at the time. And then the second I got pregnant, my TSH was 4. I mean, that was granted because of, I think, Hashimoto's as well. But that's Mm -hmm. like how much more my thyroid was like struggling because Mm -hmm. I now had like all of a sudden another life. Mm -hmm. And he was only I was only four weeks. Yeah. You know, so that was something that I was like, okay, I went in and I was like, I want lab work. I want, you know, like you can request these things and you have the right to know. So there shouldn't be anything, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) that they have an issue with there. Um, Some other choices, I guess, that you do have is maybe choosing how many ultrasounds you do. Mm -hmm. So some doctors I've heard will do like one every single time you go in. And to me, I was like, I'll do the major ones, you know, Mm -hmm. like when you first go in, they'll listen to the heartbeat at like six or seven weeks, they do your first ultrasound and it looks like, you know, it's like the size of a pea, you know, and you're like, that's so cool, you know, and like, yes, I want that one. And then at 12 weeks, I was kind of like, you know, 
<clears throat> is there like a medical reason that I need to do this? Can we just listen to the heartbeat? Uh-huh. Um, and I had done, um, you have an option to do also at 10 weeks, your, it's called the NIPT test. So it's like non-invasive prenatal testing uh-huh. and they test for Down syndrome and then any other genetic defects and then also you can find out the sex early so they require you to do that if you're over 35 and then if you're under 35 you have the choice and sometimes I mean most of the time I would say you have to pay out of pocket for a Mm -hmm. portion of it but a lot of it is covered by insurance did Um, you do that I did that yeah because and I also just became so Illumina in San Diego is like a big tech company here Mm -hmm. and they're the ones behind the technology that does the NIPT test they don't manufacture the test but Mm -hmm. they use the or create the machine that look at all this stuff and so I just recently became an ambassador for them to like go if they ever needed someone to like talk about the benefits of it to talk about like what the information is that you find out like how did it make you feel being more prepared you know like for me personally like I kind of wanted to know like if I'm going to have a child with down syndrome like that's something that I think I would want to like mentally prepare myself for Mm -hmm. or like financially people might want to know that information Mm -hmm. so I don't know, just stuff like that. And, you know, genetics to me are like super fascinating. And I just, I'm, I like information like that. So Mm -hmm. I did that test early. Um, so by the 12 week ultrasound, I was like, you know, we know genetics are fine. We know the sex now, which is great boy. Mm -hmm. And is there really a reason I need to do this? He's like, no, not really. Just if you want to see him. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, I don't need to see him. I'll see him Mm -hmm. (laughs) some other time because there are some, um, studies and thoughts behind like too much exposure to that high heat radiation from the ultrasounds can, you know, pos- mm-hmm. possibly be not as helpful or beneficial. Mm-hmm. So I tried to limit my ultrasounds unless it was absolutely necessary. That's another choice that you have. Um, they do recommend, oh, so the glucose um, tolerance test, that's another one where they tell you to drink this like crap water full yeah. of chemicals and toxins. And I'm not saying if you do it, you're a bad person yeah. at all. It's like one time. Think yeah. about it. You do something one time, like, I mean, I color my hair. Like, that's not healthy. I know that. (laughs) You know, so, like, it's just an unfortunate way I say, you know, it in that light. Because it's unfortunate, like, that's the only option that they give you. Mm -hmm. And so, eventually, I hope that they come out with something else that's not as, like, you know, chemical and gross. What did you do? So, instead, I asked my doctor if I could test my glucose at home. Mm -hmm. And so, I ordered just a glucose monitor from Amazon. And I pricked my finger five times a day. Mm -hmm. And I was measuring my um, blood sugar. So, an hour post uh, fasting and then an hour post meal. And some people will say do it two hours post meal. Just kind of depends. So, I was really just monitoring like what, you know, my body was responding to in terms of blood sugar. Mm -hmm. Which I just wanted to do also because I was like, Oh, that seems like really f- interesting, mm-hmm. you know, like fascinating to see like what my body does. Cause I was always under the assumption that like if I ate fruits and, you know, high sugar, like dates and all these things, my bl- blood sugar would go crazy, like mm-hmm. did not even move. Mm-hmm. If I ate things like brown rice or oats or any type of like, even like a gluten-free, like Capello's pizza, mm-hmm. my blood sugar would go so high. Mm. I mean, not high enough to where I had information. Yeah. Like gestational diabetes. That's what they're looking for when I say the glucose tolerance test. Um, so anyways, you can opt to do something different. Another thing that they'll offer you is to maybe do like a food test. So like they'll say like, well, why don't you eat a piece of bread, a whole glass of orange juice, a whole banana and an egg and see what your blood sugar does. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Because (laughs) I'm not going to eat that. Like, yeah. And also like you're comparing that 
food group, which is now a carb, a protein. Yeah. You know, like you're combining all these different macros or the other option is to drink 50 grams of glucose straight. Like that's not even apples to apples. Yeah. Like maybe it's 50 and 50, but that's not how your body processes sugar. Yeah. So (laughs) I don't know. I was kind of like, I feel like OB, you should know that, but that's okay. I'll let it slide because I love you. Um, So I was like, yeah, I'll do the at-home monitoring. So that's what I did. That's another option. And then in your third trimester, um, you have the, well, they require, quote unquote, require you to get the flu shot Mm -hmm. and also um, Tdap, which is for whooping cough. And the idea is that if you get this vaccine as a pregnant mom, then you're passing the antibodies on to the baby because the baby cannot get that vaccination until... I think he's two months old. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they, you know, think that there's protection for those two months that he can't get the vaccine. Mm -hmm. So those are two things that I personally opted out of. And that I will say was very controversial between A, (laughs) my husband and I, and Mm -hmm. B, um, our entire family, not my family, but his family. So he has a sister with a baby as well Mm -hmm. and they're just more conventional and Mm -hmm. that, you know, didn't sit well with them because she, you know, had this newborn baby and some people, which, you know, and this is again, like, I don't, I think their decision is their decision. I respect it. I understand that if you don't feel comfortable having someone around your newborn that hasn't gotten the flu shot, I Mm -hmm. get that. You know, that's your, your decision for me. I didn't resonate with that and I didn't feel comfortable as a pregnant mom with a very no immune system baby Mm -hmm. in my body getting the flu shot or, um, the vaccination. So I opted out to, instead of that, I mean, I, I focus on the things that we know more so in our, our realm, which is high dose vitamin C. And I took a lot of extra zinc and, Mm -hmm. I mean, for better or worse, like with an autoimmune disease, like I don't get sick very often (laughs) because my my body is always in like fight mode. So like the last time I sick, sick, knock on wood, I I can't even remember, you know, so I didn't think I was like a very, I mean, I can't say for certain, but I didn't think I was at risk necessarily for like contracting a crazy flu and having it be an issue for me personally. I know my body pretty well. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was another thing. And then, you know, can you speak more to why, why you didn't? personally want those sure um really just the the chemicals in vaccines which Mm -hmm. you know vaccines is a huge kind of like overwhelming topic that Mm -hmm. that's you know some of the things that I don't necessarily like you said and how you feel about it is like kind of just don't really talk about it and respect everyone's opinion Mm -hmm. but um for those two I just felt like you know it wasn't it wasn't it didn't outweigh the risk didn't outweigh the benefit for me Mm -hmm. you know I felt like for what I know about the flu shot and the research that I've done, all the chemicals in there with the aluminum and the mercury and the percentage at which it quote unquote prevents the flu Mm -hmm. is not very high. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, you know, I've never had the flu shot. I've never gotten it in my life. It's I'm certainly not. And I've never had the flu. Mm -hmm. I'm certainly not going to be that, you know, have it be the first time when I'm trying to protect Mm -hmm. a fetus and he gets everything through that umbilical cord. Mm -hmm. And so that really just didn't, it didn't feel right. A lot of people get really sick after they, after they get it. (laughs) So I've never gotten the flu shot either. And my immune system flares. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, I mean, my family is not like natural, like, you know, a very conventional family. And I was thinking the other day, I was like, why did my mom was always very against vaccines? Like, really? Yeah. And I, I should talk about, I should ask her about this. You should. I was like, I think about it now. I'm like, why? It's because she's so like, 
not into natural right. stuff, you know? And, like, other things she would give me. I, I was on antibiotics constantly growing up, right? But I was, like, but she always was, like, there was one vaccine I got. I don't remember. When I was, like, 16, that, like, the doctor was, like, well, you get to decide. And I was, like, well, the doctor said I should get it. My mom was pissed that I hmm. got it because she was so against any vaccines. And I yeah. remember when I first went to college, I was, like, mom, everyone's getting the flu shot. And she's, like, you are not getting a flu shot. Like, I, I need to ask her because I have no idea right. what her what her reasoning, reasoning. is. Yeah. she's not really, like... I don't know. I wonder if it's more, I mean, because another side or like thought process of people who are maybe not as jazzed about vaccines mm-hmm. comes from like a political standpoint too. And like mm-hmm. having it be very much government supported, government backed, a lot of money in, in that, that yeah. department. I wonder if it's something like that. I don't, like I don't think it's that for her. No? She's very like <laughs> Republican. <laughs> but, but, um, but yeah, yeah I, I don't, it's so weird. Like I'm, I was trying to figure it out, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I've had some, back, I mean, for me, I look at like all my like toxicities. Right. And so I have it in perspective. Why mm-hmm. now, like for me, I'm like, yeah, I don't, I wonder how much that played into it, what I was given, but thank God mm-hmm. I didn't get more. I don't know. It's very interesting. Yeah. But that makes sense. It's a big topic. Yeah. And also like, actually now that you mention it, like, yeah, the whole me having an autoimmune disease <laughs> yeah. factor, like that for me is hands down. Mm-hmm. Like number one, why I wasn't, you know, super willing to put those things in my body because mm-hmm. I don't like, I can't have an autoimmune flare mm-hmm. and have my thyroid all of a sudden derailed when it is really important to keep that in check during pregnancy. That wasn't a risk I was willing to take. And then also I know that I have double MTHFR. Mm-hmm. So that genetic mutation doesn't allow your body to get out as, to- you know, as many toxins and detox as well. So like for me, that is something that I felt was like, you know, really scary. Mm-hmm. So that was a whole two other things that I just, Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's everyone's decision. Me. Everyone yeah. has to do their own research and make their own decision and what's best for you, mm-hmm. you know? So I think it's just about doing what's... I think people get caught up in what everyone else is doing, what everyone else is saying, and I'm like, yeah, just listen to yourself, honestly. Right. Whatever if, that is. <laughs> if you're someone that's like, maybe you're hesitant on it, however, you know yourself really well, and if you're going to like stress out about not getting it, yeah. then that stress is probably worse for you. Mm-hmm depending on your personality than maybe getting it. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say. It's like, that's the thing with vaccines and all that. I mean, you don't know until maybe something happens or it doesn't happen, but Mm -hmm. you know, like knowing how you operate is important. 100%. Um, Okay. So let's move on to some other choices. Okay. Let's see the other choices. I mean, that's really kind of, I think it for, I mean, I didn't, um, have this situation to have to decide, but you also get tested for group B strep. Mm. So it's like a vaginal swab Mm -hmm. and you don't want too much of that specific bacteria in the vaginal canal because Mm -hmm. it can be a little bit dangerous for the baby when they come out. Mm -hmm. Um, So they test you. And if you're positive, then they give you antibiotics through an IV during labor. Mm. So that was actually something I was really, really freaked out and nervous about the entire time. Like I wasn't really nervous about the blood sugar stuff. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really nervous about anything else, but I was like, man, if I test positive for that, I swear to God, I was just like, cause I, you know, going in and having the thought process of, I want a natural birth. The last thing I want is to be fed antibiotics through an IV bag. So you literally have to get the antibiotics if that happens? So I, you can opt out. It's not like anyone's going to hold you down and force you to. Uh-huh. But I think it is one of those things. Had I tested positive uh-huh. from the research that I've done, maybe it does outweigh you the risk. Have, you think. I think 
Well, what I was planning on doing, because of mm-hmm. course I had a plan B, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, if I test positive, mm-hmm. I'm going to do all the things that I can to try and get rid of it. So mm-hmm. the two things that I did, or maybe like three that were most beneficial is I switched to the Claire Labs Women's Probiotic at 26 mm-hmm. weeks to support the vaginal flora. Mm-hmm. I did high dose vitamin C for a week before. And then I also did high dose zinc a mm-hmm. week before. And then I also did like an apple cider vinegar, like vaginal wash in mm-hmm. the shower the week before. Nice. So some of those things, yeah. who knows if it helped. But anyways, I tested negative, so I didn't have to have that decision. But Mm -hmm. I was thinking like, okay, what if I do all those things again? I mean, people go really into it and like they'll do like garlic suppositories and stuff to like get, you know, the bacteria out. Mm -hmm. And maybe depending on your doctor, maybe they would retest you. But typically it is what it is Mm -hmm. at that point because you're already, I mean, you're like 36 weeks or something like that. So um, you can opt out there. No one's going to force you to. It's just a decision you have to make. Okay. And then you get to the, the and birth. then and then the birth when there's whew, whew, a lot of decisions. So you had a natural birth. I did have a natural birth. Tell me how that went. It was amazing. I, it was amazing. It was amazing. It was you like just feel wonderful. Hardest thing. Just no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes and no. Feels wonderful now that it's out. behind me. Yeah. You just slipped just, out. Yep. <laughs> right away. No big deal. Out of my five foot little body. Yeah. Um, it was amazing in the sense that like your body is just so like capable. It's crazy when you think about it. I can't imagine my vagina like. Neither can I. And yeah, it just, it just like does. It just like happens. I don't know. So I had an overall, um, I I did a whole podcast on my birth story. If anyone's Mm -hmm. like super interested in the details, I won't go through everything. I'll Mm -hmm. give the the brief (laughs) spark notes here. But, um, I had a 20 hour labor total. And so my water and your water actually doesn't like it's not like in the movies either. So I did hypnobirthing, Mm -hmm. which are classes that you learn about breath work. Uh And as a yoga teacher, like I I really kind of like tapped into like that's what's going to work for me. I really feel like the breath work, if I got that under control, like I can mentally be in that space. Mm -hmm. So it's a class that you do with your partner. So my husband and I went for five weeks every single Thursday night Mm -hmm. and did hypnobirthing. So they teach you different positions and different breath work and different mindset. Mm -hmm. And you actually watch a lot of birthing videos which I'd never like, you know, had like that angle of like watching a baby come out of a I mean, vagina. Most of us don't, right? Like, why know? would you ever say yeah. that? And I was just like, at first I saw the first one. I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I can't do that. Why would I do that? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I was it. like, this is, this is not good. Yeah. And then by the end, you're like, if she can do it. I can do it. Yeah. She doesn't look very capable. You know? <laughs> Like you watch some of these people, I was like, and you know, being like judgmental and yeah. of course skeptical. I was just like, nah, I she's not even that healthy. Yeah. You know, but of course, I don't really know how much yeah. that has to do with it. Oh my God, I love it. Um, so I did hypnobirthing and I think mm-hmm. that honestly like really, really helped. I also had a doula, which is someone that will not deliver your baby. That's more of a midwife. But mm-hmm. a doula is just like your support system. Mm-hmm. She's going to tell you like, hey, change positions, or it seems like we're being stuck in this position, so, like, why don't you do this what over the ball? What kind of positions are going on? Oh, like, um, it's, it's like, Kama Sutra in there. Really? I'm, like, <laughs> I thought you just, like, freaking sit there no. and, like, push. You're you don't like have to. rolling around and, like, oh, yeah. I was, like doing somersaults. Handstands, like, all the things. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, you have the option of, like, mm-hmm. you don't have to be, depending on your, your birth. So, like, mm-hmm. obviously, there are certain, certain circumstances Circumstances mm-hmm. to which you might have to be induced or you might have to have a C-section, all mm-hmm. these things. You don't have options as much there. But if mm-hmm. you're choosing a natural birth and things are kind of aligning, that 
that, you know, they could do that, then yeah, you do not have to be in a hospital bed. You actually don't even have to, depending on your hospital and your doctor, Mm -hmm. you don't even have to deliver the baby on your back. You could deliver the baby on your hands and knees if you really wanted to, depending on what the doctor, you know. How did you deliver? I ended up being on my back. And right before I started pushing, I said, actually, I don't know. I've read that this is maybe not the best position. And they were all kind of like, can we just like do this? What's the best position? (laughs) Well, so the idea is like when you're laying on your back, you're like compressing your pelvis kind of. And so like there's more gravity and more force if Uh you're on like all hands or all on your hands and your knees. You do some like cat cow situation. Just pop them out. Yeah. So I was kind of like, okay, yeah, I think I want to do that. And they were like, um, can we just like, I think you're good here. (laughs) Cause I had, you know, at the end I had to do a little bit of an IV towards the end. Uh I was like hooked up to that. And I was like, you know, okay, I'm pretty comfortable. Uh And I was like, Dr. Cobb, that's his name. So if you're in San Diego looking for a very handsome, a very capable uh-huh. OBGYN, Dr. Cobb's your man. Okay. So I was like, Dr. Cobb, what do you think? Because like he could tell me to jump off a bridge and I would, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, whatever you say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so he was like, no, I think we're good here. This is, this is good. And I was yeah. like, okay, great. So um, I did. Yeah. I, I mean, I labored in the tub for a little bit. They have bathtubs at the hospital that mm-hmm. I, you can't deliver in there, mm-hmm. but you can certainly just hang out. Mm-hmm. Um, I stood in the shower for a really long time, like hot water on my body felt mm-hmm. really good. And I had contractions in there. I was just like holding on to things, just breathing. Oh, wow. There was a medicine ball that I used for a little bit. So all different kinds of positions. And then like with your partner, like I was like hanging around his neck, mm-hmm. kind of like swaying back and forth. And mm-hmm. they teach you like the different breath work. Like you want to go really, really deep into the breath, mm-hmm. not stay high. So the second your voice gets really high, my doula and my husband were like, low breathing, low breathing. I was like, okay, take it down. <laughs> okay. We need to get into some graphic things oh, that gosh. I have questions about. Okay. First of all, did you poop while you're pushing? I did not. Not while I'm pushing. You, so your body, that's after, a, before, before. Oh. So when you're going into, oh, that's what I was going to say. I was like, where was I going with that? So um, actually only like 10% of women's waters like mm-hmm. actually break on their own. Oh, I okay, yeah, we didn't, okay. Yeah. And so I was like thinking, yeah, like the movies, you know, it's like yeah. their water breaks and they're like, oh, we're going to the yeah. hospital now to have a baby. Like yeah. that only happens at 10%. I luckily, I mean, and it doesn't really matter to mm-hmm. be honest, actually, but like, it kind of like got things going obviously. Mm-hmm. So like I was in bed like on the day before he was due and mm-hmm. my water broke at 10 PM at night in the bed. Oh. And I was joking. My mom was always like, you know, you should really put some towels down. Like just in case I was like, okay, like whose water breaks in their bed. Like if their water doesn't happen. break, how do they know? You'll still have the symptoms. Oh. And so that's where the pooping comes okay. in. Oh. So <laughs> your body will literally, your yeah, just like, I mean, maybe it's not aggressive yeah. for some people, but like, your body knows that there's going to be a lot of stuff coming out. So it's going to get rid of all of that. Yeah. (laughs) need to make way for the human. Okay. So you do have like a lot of bowel movements and diarrhea and like crazy stuff happen. And that can happen actually for like a week, even before you give birth. So like it's your body's sign of things getting ready. So I didn't have any of that. I did have something called prodromal labor, prodromal labor, where I had contractions for like a week which was super fun. I mean, they weren't like, how do you know if it's like time or just like this has to happen for a week? 
Um, wow, I feel so unprepared. Well, you don't know. You don't really know. And I, I feel like some people are like, you just know. It's like, no, you don't. I've never done this before. I don't know. So how did you know you should stay home for that full week versus like be in the hospital? Um, I had an appointment. Okay. So like towards the end, you have a lot of appointments mm-hmm. and they go in and tell you how far you are dilated. Okay. And so also you're looking for something called a 411. They're four minutes apart. Or no, mm-hmm. sorry. What is it? Gosh darn it. 411. I don't know. Google, Google it really this. quickly because I'm going to sound like a crazy person that I don't even know. And it happened four, one, one, oh, five four. months ago. Weighted school contractions are four minutes apart. Okay. They've been that way for at least one hour. Yes. And the contractions are at least one minute. Only. There you go. So that's that's what you're looking for. Okay. Which is kind of like how you'll kind of know. So like my contractions that I was having, I like went out to True Food Kitchen with a friend, mm-hmm. you know, and I was just like. Well, it's bold move. <laughs> it's a bold move. I was like, they're happening in every 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And they were still to the point where I would like have to grab onto something and like breathe through it. So it wasn't super easy. And he still went to True Food Kitchen. Kitchen? Yeah, because she was only in town for like two days. Yeah, I hope it was a good meal. I hope you got the squash pie. <laughs> I did, and I had something spicy uh, because I was like, "Let's get the show yeah, on the road. Let's do it." Um, but yeah, the next time we go, we got to get the squash pie because I've never had that. Wait, wait, tell me about food tricks. Food tricks. I well, like there's so many. Carrie Ann was like eating like ten dates a day or something. Oh yeah. What it like? Okay, spicy so food. spicy food is to like induce labor mm-hmm. um, towards the end. You can kind of do that mm-hmm. if that works. I don't really truly know. Mm-hmm. Um, our other mutual friend, Lisa, I think would tell you otherwise mm-hmm. that like that didn't really work for her. And mm-hmm. she went to that place. There's like some place in L.A. that has some salad that everyone gets. <laughs> She's like, that didn't do anything. <laughs> the labor salad. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the dates idea is it's like ripening the cervix. Mm-hmm. And so you can do 10. <laughs> they say, what is it? Six dates a day. I think it's six dates a day Mm -hmm. and you can do that like in your third trimester to like ripen up the cervix. I was just like, how am I supposed to eat just like six dates? I just ate a Lara bar every day and was Mm -hmm. like, call it a day. That seems much healthier because there's some nuts in there, some good protein. It's probably about four dates, but like whatever. Yeah. Red raspberry Did you ever do uh, suppositories? No. Mm, Carrie Ann Ann was doing them. She was like, I was like, wow, you're just going for it. She really is. She goes for it. Okay, spicy food, maybe dates, anything else? Um, Red raspberry leaf tea you can do Mm -hmm. um, towards the, uh, more like our third trimester, Mm -hmm. but again, kind of like ripening the cervix. So I did a lot of red red raspberry leaf tea. I did the dates. (laughs) I love Um, the the phrase ripening the cervix. I know. Like Like I say it like it's no big deal. (laughs) Yeah. Let me ripen my cervix. I think someone you to date, I'm going to be like, I'm just ripening my cervix. We're in a ripening phase. <laughs> ripening. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Um. Anything else? Um, those are the main ones. Those are kind of. I did. Is ha- there something with sardines or like anchovies? I feel like I heard that in a movie once, hmm. but maybe I made that up. Not that I know of. Aside that it's just really good omega three. Yeah, that's good. Um. No, I think that's kind of. I also did collagen. Just thinking like elasticity of like don't tear because yeah, like if you tear during labor fear. for some reason I wasn't freaked out about that it was kind of like I knew I was going to just because I feel like I'm a small person like I don't know if that has anything did to you? do with the size of my vagina yeah. but like did I did a barely barely I had a one degree tear which is I think fourth degree is maybe the the biggest uh-huh. but like I barely did what oh I know another thing mm-hmm. so you can also do um you can do it yourself or you can have someone else do it for you, your partner, preferably, probably. Um, not like your mom or something, yeah. but like you can do a perineum massage. So you're basically like opening up the vagina and like stretching oh, things out. I've but heard of this. I don't know. I didn't do that 
because I was just like trying to get a sneak peek. <laughs> right. I was like, I don't know. Something about this just doesn't feel like it's on my agenda. Yeah. I'm like, by the end of the night, like that would be the only time I feel like that would be. Yeah. I was like, I just want to go to bed. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't want anyone doing that. Okay. So do that. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry. I need to get into some dirty details here. Okay. okay. So you didn't poop while, while you were. But just way you, before, you, like all throughout laboring. Okay. I was doing that. Okay. So you had a one degree tear. Uh-huh. But like, what did it feel like like what does it feel like it literally feels like does it feel like you're just being ripped apart no it feels like you're trying to fit 10 pounds of shit in a one pound bag (laughs) (laughs) really but like it does almost feel like they'll tell you like in the labor classes Uh and even the nurses are like when you feel like you have to poop then it's time to push oh and so it kind of does feel like because your whole pelvis is it's all just down there Mm -hmm. you can't like at that point really be like hi there's pressure in the front versus the back it's just like pressure yeah so it's just a lot of pressure and contractions really felt like just really, really bad period cramps, like mm. really bad to where, but they come in waves, you know? Mm. So it's like, you have time to like, ideally kind of just like regroup every time. And then they start again. And then you regroup every time. And like the doula can like massage or squeeze your hips, like things like mm-hmm. that help. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's just like wildly uncomfortable, but then it kind of stops mm-hmm. for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then you do it again and again and again for 20 hours. Mm-hmm. But when you're actually pushing, um, it doesn't, yeah, I was like waiting for this like intense like pain and I would never say that like labor felt for me like pain. Mm. Like it wasn't like someone was like ripping me open and I was <laughs> yeah, like ready to like, you know, I don't know. It wasn't like that. Like I never felt like it wasn't like I couldn't handle it. Yeah. And I don't, I think that was a combination of like things went really well. Positioning of the baby was really ideal. Um, My mindset was there. My breath work was there. I had like, I was just like in a different zone, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, I never for a second was in like, zone. actually that's not true. Never for a second. But like, there was a small window where, and I was like, I just wonder if I can still get an epidural. Like, I just yeah. wonder, but I also know myself. And if I ask that question and they say, yes, I might do it. Yeah. So maybe I shouldn't ask the question. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it was kind of just like, if you, it's almost like, I think running a marathon or like if you've ever done a long distance running race, you're like, all right, let me just give it another minute and I'll play my favorite song and see what happens then. Mm -hmm. Okay. I've made it to that. Let me just do that again and see what happens then. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like you just like pass these little bitty milestones Mm -hmm. and you just get there, but actually pushing it's funny because they can offer you a mirror so you can like look and see Did like you? I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. I was so in. I don't think I would want to see Yeah, it. I was so in my zone and They'll I was like kind of like. you. Right. And if I was pushing with all of my might, which mm-hmm. I did. I like popped a blood vessel in my eye. I was pushing so <gasps> No way. Holy <laughs> shit. Like, I knew if, it, if I was like pushing that hard and I literally didn't see anything, I would be just like okay, like what's happening, yeah. you know? So I was just like, all right, I'm just going to stay here. And for me, pushing was actually a very quick phase. Mm. So like I had really a really long labor and I got stuck in like nine centimeters. You have to get to 10. I got mm-hmm. stuck in nine centimeters for like way too long. And so I ended up doing a little bit of Pitocin, which was not necessarily something I would have preferred to do, but mm-hmm. they just make it so your contractions, like mine were not close enough together to get me to the finish line. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to stay with the natural course as much as possible. Yeah. I didn't do the epidural. I didn't do anything else except for I did a little bit of Pitocin. And again, Dr. Cobb, he was just like, I know you want everything to be 
as natural as possible, mm-hmm. but I'm telling you, I think this is a good decision and I mm-hmm. promise I'll only give you a little. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, fine. <laughs> I'm like ready to have this baby yeah. by now. You know what I mean? Get um, him out. <laughs> so yeah, so that was the long part. And then when it came to pushing, I literally pushed probably for 25 minutes, which is... I think more uncommon than common. Mm-hmm. I think people push for hours. And for me, I was just like 20 like minutes. sweating thinking about this. I'm like, holy shit. I was like, it's fine. I need a boyfriend first. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to worry about it. It is like mind blowing when you like think about it's like all talking of it. About, but like, I feel like I'm in it. It's like, it's like the ultimate like NBA finals. Like, right. You got it. You got to make it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You got to win the tournament. (laughs) Yeah. And when you're like in it that far, you're like, I just got to get this out. You know, like I've come so far. And that was really my thought process of like, look, girl, you've made it this far. And I was like, I mean, I knew his name. Mm -hmm. You know, we had named him like already. And so I was like, Asher, like, let's just like freaking do this together, man. Mm -hmm. Like, I need you on board. So it was kind of like him and like Mm -hmm. we were just like a team, you know. And, uh, I pushed three times and every time I pushed, I didn't know how far he was coming out, but I assumed I asked my husband after I was like, so when on my like second push, I literally thought half his body was out of my body yeah. and he's like, no, you could barely see his head. Oh my God. And I was like, see, that's what I was afraid of. Yeah. <laughs> but it just feels like something is expanding, 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 expanding. You're like, I don't even know if it can expand anymore. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, you're waiting for that like snap back, yeah. you know? And that's kind of what it felt like. And some people say you can feel this like ring of fire that's like when it's at the most stretched out part yeah. I didn't really ever feel that it wasn't obviously comfortable by any means like I was you didn't feel the ring of fire I didn't really feel it I feel that like bad. I should title this episode like oh gosh, the ring of fire, ring of fire. with Allie <laughs> now I'm gonna be like vagina I would, I would. yeah we'll turn you into the vagina person <laughs> I I think it's so fascinating like no one talks about this stuff you know like yeah I need to know. I think it's so interesting. Well, and no one talks about, and it's also too, because like, okay, so maybe you don't want to know. Like I didn't ask, I listened to people's birth stories Mm -hmm. and stuff, but like, part of me didn't want to know too much because then I was like what if I get freaked out I want to know all of but it. at the same time I'm hoping that for people and this is what I like if people ask me how my experience was I'm like I'm hoping I can be that person for you that tells you hey it's not like yeah. this crazy situation where you're gonna feel like you know that it's impossible or mm-hmm. that you're gonna have a complication like you don't have to yeah. it can go really well and I look back on labor being like man I would like I, I mean, I think I would do it again, yeah. but like it was such a cool, positive experience when I had like such beautiful outcomes yeah. and luckily, you know, I feel very grateful, not a lot of complications and I was able to have the birth that I really imagined, which is rare, Yeah. but if I can be that person to like motivate people to be not afraid of it, then I would like to be. Yeah. Know? Well, you definitely did that for me. Like, I feel like you got, you had such a good pregnancy and for me, I was like, contrasting like you and lisa mm-hmm. and like, she's i was like oh my god she's like pregnancy is the worst <laughs> like i feel like everything was just like i was like you're scaring me is this what it's like and then i talked to you and you know like we met up when i first moved here and i was like yeah. wow she's so like chill about it like you're like it's not that bad like yeah i don't know so it really is different for everyone yeah but I will say the the one thing that I did have like throw and I kind of forgot to mention this mm-hmm. because it didn't affect the outcome of my labor. But mm-hmm. at 37 weeks, I found out he was breech. Mm-hmm. And so that was a huge like what? Mm-hmm. Like I had, like you said, had this, you know, really easy, simple, like felt mm-hmm. really great. Pregnancy was still walking like, you know, a ton at the end. And mm-hmm. I went in for our checkup and he was like, and my because I had kind of opted out from some of the ultrasounds, which now thinking back, like, 
maybe that's also not a good idea. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But anyways, he was like, he felt my stomach and he was like, oh yeah, heads down for sure. Like everything looks good. Mm -hmm. But I didn't do that with an ultrasound that was based on how he felt on my stomach. Mm -hmm. And so part of me thinks like he, the doctor said, well, I think he flipped. And I was like, I don't think he flipped. I think he was never upside down Mm. because when he came out too, like, and I don't know, Carrie and actually asked me this yesterday. She was like, do most babies eat their feet or is yours just really flexible? (laughs) I I think a lot of them can do that, you know, but at the same time, like he was breached for what I think was a really long time. Like he had these like crazy pretzel breech legs when he came out, Uh like he would lift his legs up and hit himself in the back of the head. Like, because that's how he was in the, in my uterus. So like his pelvis was stuck in my pelvis basically. And so if you have um, any type of breech baby where the head is not down, Uh they require you to have an automatic C-section. And so So I was like, okay, this is not the way that Mm -hmm. I planned things. Now I'm 30 and you have to do what they call an ECV if you're going to do it at 38 weeks, Mm -hmm. which I forget what it stands for again, Mm -hmm. but it's like a an outside version, something like that. So basically the doctor takes his hands and manually rotates the baby from the outside of your body and flips him upside down. So that was just as painful, I would say. Oh, or really? like, I don't know, again, not using the word pain, but I guess you could say painful. Like it was like very, very uncomfortable. So that's what I chose to end up doing in the end because I tried to flip him. There's mm-hmm. something called spinning babies, mm-hmm. which you can look into, which is like exercises. Yeah, I've um, heard of that. I've seen that in movies, I think. Yeah, and like it's cool. you can do. Yeah. yeah, there's like different, you know, upside down inversions and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And there's a woman here in San Diego. Her name is Nicole Morales and mm-hmm. she's like a spinning baby practitioner Mm. and so I did a bunch of different therapy sessions with her trying to flip him like literally laying on an ironing board with my head at the floor and my feet up in the air like having that pressure they're like okay so if the pressure is coming down on the baby's head that's Mm -hmm. uncomfortable for them and they'll flip Mm. you know but you have to do it before they run out of room Mm -hmm. so I did that I did um I was already doing acupuncture so Mm -hmm. like when I look back on it I was very frustrated because only three percent of babies are breech Mm -hmm. and what is the reason that they didn't turn on their own Mm -hmm. is it neurological is there something that's amiss? Mm-hmm. Is it because the umbilical cord is wrapped around their neck and they can't flip and mm-hmm. you just don't know? Mm-hmm. Or is it that maybe like you just don't have enough space in your body? And I think that's kind of what my issue was mm-hmm. because he came out okay and, you know, no neurologic, at least as far mm-hmm. as I know. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like the record wasn't wrapped around his head. So I think like from being a runner and like just being so like movement and spinning and all the exercise mm-hmm. and stuff, my hips were like very, very tight. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think he had enough space to like manually like turn. So anyways, I was doing like all the right things all throughout my pregnancy, which I found it very frustrating again. And like having this like higher expectation of like, well, what did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I don't think you did anything wrong. But like, I mean, I was doing acupuncture the whole time. I did mm-hmm. chiropractic throughout my entire pregnancy to make sure my hips were aligned. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like sometimes there's just like a you just can't control it. You can't you know? control everything. Yeah. yeah. So I did moxibustion, which is like lighting your um, baby toes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. On fire for that meridian, mm-hmm. which can kind of encourage them to flip. So mm-hmm. I did everything possible mm-hmm. <laughs> to get him to go upside yeah. down on his own. Couldn't do it. So I did the ECV. And then everything was smooth sailing for, from that point yeah. on. But that was just like I was at my most like nervous, stress. Like, what am I going to do? You know, and at the end of the day, it's like if you have to have a C-section, like some people have to, and that's not the end of the world at all. It was just like so different and so far 
from what I had thought I was doing the whole time. Yeah. I think it's just, it's why it's so like hard. It's like scary being a parent. It's like, you just want everything to be perfect. And Mm -hmm. I was talking to my friend the other day about this, like his fiance is pregnant. He's just like freaking out and like diving in all this research. I'm like, you can only do your best. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're doing your best, like, that's all you could ask. And, like, not everything's going to go perfectly. You know, right. you just have to, like, it's like what you said, just, like, rolling with the punches. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, I don't know. That that happened. But the rest of your pregnancy seemed pretty smooth. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it turned out well, you know? Yeah. Have yeah. a beautiful baby boy. Yeah. Chilling. So, now, what's going on? Like, how are you managing everything? Are you back to work? What's happening? I am back to work. Um, one thing that I think is an interesting topic, I don't know how much time we have or how long we've been talking for. <laughs> but Well, depending on what it is. <laughs> depending on what it is. So breastfeeding is a whole other mm. topic that I think can be very like challenging to either deal with mm-hmm. or like so for me he didn't really latch like very well in the very beginning and so automatically that's like a very concerning frustrating thing mm-hmm. and so I had like lactation come out to the house and finally I was like okay I think he's he's, re- he's really getting it mm-hmm. and he was born he was you know six pounds one ounce which is a smaller baby mm-hmm. but not like I when I was born I weighed four pounds and I was like oh. not preemie yeah. at all like I was You're just a small person I'm just a small person yeah. so like for me to have a six pound baby like if both my parents are tiny people like that just you know that was like actually pretty impressive Mm -hmm. and so but the weight gain like they put a lot of pressure on you I feel like as a mom to be like they should be back up to their birth weight because they lose a little bit of weight Mm -hmm. over the next few days and then ideally they get back up to their birth weight after two weeks and so it's like this like I don't know this like pressure and very it's like already stressful because Mm -hmm. a you like can't walk for like I don't know a while after you're you're still bleeding you're wearing adult diapers you're like spraying like you know crap under your i did not know that yeah that's a whole wow i'm glad you brought that up yeah so there's a lot of stuff that like yeah you don't really you know know so like even sitting on a chair like i wouldn't have been able to sit in this chair after the first few days because i also you know i tried to not do any type of like you know, medication after the fact either. Like they, you know, prescribe you high dose Motrin if you're really uncomfortable. And I was like, I'll use Arnica. I'm sure it's mm-hmm. the same, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> I was like, I didn't do any medication really during labor. Like now's another time I'm going to like load up on Motrin, you know? Yeah. So I did Arnica and I, it was just like a little bit, it took me a little bit longer to recover maybe like two weeks or so, but mm-hmm. like I couldn't sit in this chair. So like breastfeeding was like uncomfortable and he wasn't latching right. And I was kind of like reaching out to like friends being like, okay, so is it supposed to hurt this bad? Mm-hmm. Like, I literally like, don't know if I can do this. Like, yeah. and everyone's like, oh yeah, it always hurts in the beginning. That's totally normal. <sighs> and then I was just like, okay. But like, since he wasn't eating a lot, my mm-hmm. supply was dropping. Mm-hmm. And so, cause I wasn't like telling my body to like replenish. Mm-hmm. And so I went to like, I don't even know how many lactation consultants. It never got better like for me. Mm -hmm. And so that's been something that was really challenging for the first three months of being a mom, not being able to like breastfeed Mm -hmm. and wanting to so badly. I could do it, but it hurt. He wasn't getting enough. He would get air in when he latched. He got gassy. He cried. I cried. And then we would give him a bottle. And Mm -hmm. so what I would do is I would try and breastfeed him to the best that I could until Mm -hmm. we both were just like miserable. Mm -hmm. And then I would pump after that Mm -hmm. and then give him a bottle to like supplement him with the bottle of Mm -hmm. just still breast milk. Mm -hmm. So I was basically either breastfeeding or pumping Mm -hmm. all around the clock. 
and it was just like a lot. So I was also going to chiropractic and then I did craniosacral therapy for him because he had a really, really tight jaw. He also Mm -hmm. had a lip tie that we got revised. So there was a lot that went into it. Mm -hmm. And for three months, I basically did everything I could to like make this work because I wanted to breastfeed so badly. Mm -hmm. And my husband was kind of like, look, if it's like, you know, if it's not working, it's not working. Mm -hmm. But like as a mom, it's like your innate like womanhood. You just want to, you just want to. Mm -hmm. And it's like a bond that you share and it's like this big deal and it just wasn't working. And so that was really, really hard, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. And you're like, I see all these other, and still I feel like sometimes it is hard. Like I see moms breastfeeding and kind of, I'm like, I don't know. I kind of wish that I could do that, Mm -hmm. you know? And maybe I could have like kept going and it just, it was kind of like, I just knew that it wasn't really going to work out. And why am I just like freaking out about making it work when Mm -hmm. both of us are so unhappy trying to do it. Mm -hmm. And so now I exclusively pump, Mm -hmm. which is kind of like, there's so many different like Facebook groups and like exclusive, exclusive pumping mom resources, which a lot of my friends, you know, not a lot, I'd say like two or three of my girlfriends Mm -hmm. had the same experience. And they geared me in that direction. And so I kind of learned like, okay, here's how I can make this work. And a lot of, I think, lactation or doctors will say like, well, you can do that for a while, but it's not sustainable. Like after a few months, I feel like your supply is not going to last because you don't have those hormones Mm -hmm. that are going to like connect with the baby actually being on the nipple. Mm -hmm. And I've actually found the complete opposite. Like I, my supply has continued to increase as it gets older. I, we just bought a deep freezer for milk (laughs) that gets here on Saturday because I'm like oversupplying much more than he can eat. Then I was able to drop off milk to a friend of mine who's kind of struggling with breastfeeding in the same situation. I was like, I'm coming with my milk. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Is that like allowed? Like to use someone else's milk? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously it's allowed, but it's so... Right. It seems weird. Yeah. But they actually have a lot of... um, And same with um, like, you know, moms in the... Her babies are in the NICU or something. Mm -hmm. Like if your milk doesn't come in, Mm because it typically doesn't, you do colostrum or you produce Mm -hmm. colostrum, which is like this thick... Well, and you know it because it's colostrum. Yeah. (laughs) Because I take colostrum. Uh, Yeah. It's not Uh, like human. Right. Exactly. (laughs) So like that's what comes out in the very first Mm -hmm. few days and then your milk comes in but sometimes like maybe if mom's milk doesn't come in they have like donor milk Mm. and so people who oversupply can donate it to people who need it yeah yeah so but it was close how much is mother breast milk worth i don't know but i think it's expensive probably expensive af it should be i mean it should be given the amount of time that it takes like that's i mean i figured out a good schedule where i pump in the morning right when i wake up Mm -hmm. um at like 12 o'clock ish or so before i go to work Mm -hmm. and then again at like five or six o'clock and then again before i go to bed Mm -hmm. and sometimes i'll do it in the middle of the night too just depending on how long i can go but I mean, I found a pretty good rhythm with it mm-hmm. and I'm getting a ton of milk. And good for you. So, you know, so it works. And I just had to make peace with the fact that like, you know what, this is what works for us. Mm-hmm. He's happy. A well-fed baby is always going to be more happy than a not well-fed baby. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but it's, it was a hard struggle for me, I think in the beginning for sure. Yeah. Oh, I think it's also a good lesson in like, you're going to hear a lot of chatter, whether it be doctors or friends or mommy groups or whatever, but like you just have to honor your own experience. And mm-hmm. like, like what you're saying, your milk's supplies increase and people told you that wasn't going to happen like right you, you don't know what's going to happen yeah you know they also said once you start working out it'll decrease mm-hmm. i was like once i started working out maybe because that's how i am like oxytocin goes bananas mm-hmm. like i actually started producing more mm-hmm. well know. good for you so how long i feel like you like generally have resumed normal activities yeah but so but like how long were you kind of like Just down for um in terms of like physically, After, yeah. 
Physically, I think it took me about two weeks before I could go for a walk okay. and feel like things are not falling out of my body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, but when did you start working out again? I waited till eight weeks after. Okay. So they kind of give you like, you have like a six week checkup and mm-hmm. he'll kind of be like, yeah, everything looks good. You know, you can start working out. I just didn't feel like my body was ready for that yet. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of just was like, hmm, I'm just going to wait a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And so by eight weeks, I was like craving, you know, movement. And mm-hmm. I started to get a little bit into like doing like one spin class a week. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, but it doesn't really make sense. Like who wants to go like sit on an exercise yeah. bike after you just gave a vaginal birth? Yeah. I don't know. But that's like what I wanted to do. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. You're so um, funny. And then, yeah, now, now I'm totally back to everything that I was doing, but not because I've never had like a time really like I got my cycle back started gaining weight all of a sudden got pregnant like I've never been in this state that I'm at now mm-hmm. I don't know what my weight should you know people say like get back to your weight I don't know I don't know what that is yeah and so it's hard but it's mm-hmm. also good yeah it is good because I'm just like just be healthy right I'm just being healthy and, we'll and there. my body is doing what it's doing and mm-hmm. you know I weigh what I weigh and yeah. that kind of is what it is <laughs> are you eating similar to how you were before did it affect like any weird cravings or anything now like afterwards or no, pretty not much really same? yeah pretty, I think the hard thing for me now and what I'm experiencing at the moment is getting my thyroid back in check Mm -hmm. because I had to increase my thyroid support during pregnancy Mm -hmm. and then postpartum now that I don't have another life to support now I then I was taking too much hormones so I've had to adjust my hormones and when you're also in your pregnancy like autoimmunity the antibodies in your immune system shuts down Mm -hmm. so I had very few antibodies during pregnancy and now I'm just watching every lab I do watching them increase, increase, Mm. increase, increase. So it's really frustrating because part of me is like, I also had a lot of digestive issues, you know, prior to all of like coming off the pill, dealing with, I think not exercising enough. And then, you know, just gut health as we know, Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, crazy with autoimmune stuff and it can be. So like I had a lot of like, you know, bloating and SIBO and candida and I did all that kind of stuff in between trying to figure it all out. And so because I haven't been focusing on it, I haven't had any issues and it's interesting because you'd think now my body is way more out of balance, but at the same time, I'm just like only focusing on my kid Mm -hmm. and I'm not worried about myself. And so I feel great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. My antibodies are like, you know, increasing, which is not ideal, but my immune system is still kind of flared, but I don't feel the effects of it. And so I'm eating in a way that's like manageable. So like I am eating some grains. I am eating, I'm doing like, I guess eating healthy and eating Mm -hmm. like, more so like paleo-ish and Mm anti-inflammatory. But if I was maybe really paying attention to what I was doing, like I would probably try and bring my antibodies down. Maybe I would look at the AIP foods that I maybe shouldn't be including. Like I'm very strict on gluten, but Mm -hmm. I've been eating a little bit of dairy here Mm -hmm. and there, you know? And so I've been drinking coffee, Mm -hmm. you know, like the things that I know as a practitioner to be true, I'm not necessarily doing. Mm Mm-hmm which is kind of like an internal battle of like, am I getting myself into a bad place by not paying attention to it? Or am I getting myself into a better place because I'm not over obsessing about it and I'm just living my life and I, Hey, I feel really good. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of going with the second path of, Hey, I feel really good and my body will figure it out. And I'm just kind of like, honestly, like the happiest and healthiest that I feel like I've ever been. Mm -hmm. 
as a whole. Yeah. Regardless of what my labs are saying. Yeah. Good for you. I mean, I think it's, it's always a tough, it's a tough line. A lot of us like know too much, I think. Totally. But I think if you, if you have the thought process that you just had, like, am I, should I be thinking more about it? Or like, am I just living my life? Like if you've gone through this whole evolution and you reach that place, I feel like that alone usually means like, no, I think it's okay to like loosen the reins for a second and just like, it's what you're doing. You just have to follow your intuition with it, mm-hmm. I think. So, well, you're glowing. You look great. Thanks. I'm so happy that the pregnancy went well and you're so happy. And Asher's such a cutie. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, thanks for coming and sharing all of the dirty details. Yeah, of course. I wanted it. Can you tell everyone <laughs> where they can find more from you? Yes, you can follow me at Barefoot Nutrition on Instagram. You can go to my website at barefoodnutrition.com. Uh, you can send me an email if you want, uh, barefoodnutrition at gmail.com. Wait, did I just say that? No barefoodnutrition.com and then at gmail.com I feel like I repeated yeah. what I just no, said no you said the right thing in your podcast um, in my podcast I also have a podcast um, it's called Nutrition-ish and I do it with a friend of mine her name is Chelsea Gross and she's um, a transformational nutrition coach so we talk a lot about like mindset and nutrition topics and we interviewed Christina as well so if you guys didn't fun. listen to that episode go back and listen to that because that was super fun yeah, awesome thank yeah. you Allie thank you so much Shout out to Allie Hobson for coming on the podcast and sharing all the dirty details of pregnancy and birth. I know you guys enjoyed that. Make sure you let Allie know what you thought of the episode. You can find her at barefoodnutrition.com and on Instagram at barefoodnutrition. I have also linked her shop page, her Amazon shop page for all things baby, mom things. If you're interested, that is in the show notes. So check that out if you want links to some of her favorite products. If you enjoyed this, please share it. If you share it on social media, tag Allie, tag me, tag Wellness Realness Podcast. And if you're not already in our Facebook group, Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe, I would love to have you there. And as always, if you feel called to leave a rating interview on iTunes. I would so, so appreciate it. It really helps me spread the word about the show. That's going to be it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you have an incredible rest of your day and I'll chat with you again next time. Bye.